Hello, everyone, and welcome to Flawless, a music podcast. My name is Liam, and I am sitting in my dining room alone. But with me, in spirit and online, are my two co-hosts, George. Hello. And Grant. Hello there, music fans. Each episode of Flawless, a host or a guest nominates an album that they think is flawless, and we talk about how they discovered it, why they love it, and what makes it flawless. And then at the end of the episode, we decide if we agree that it's flawless. Uh, we have a Patreon. It's uh, patreon.com slash flawlessamp. You can back us there from as little as $1 a month. And uh, if you do back us at any level, you get all the content bonuses, including early access to the episodes and also our special bonus episodes. And we had a new one of those go up this week. So check that out if you can. And we're also part of the Play On Radio Network with a lot of other great music and sports podcasts. So playonradio.live. Check us and them out there. So introductions aside... Mm. It is my turn to nominate an album. <laughs> oh, yes. And uh, I had to try and I had a few different choices that I had to try and pick from. But then I realized that uh, as the only uh, native born Australian on the podcast, mm-hmm. I had been letting down my native Australia in not nominating more Australian albums. Out of so, 60 odd episodes. Out of, out of so many, I've, I think I've only nominated three Australian albums so far, mm-hmm. maybe four. No, living in maybe great. me living and in. Grant all start like, doing it. Yep. We, me and Grant are going to start doing Australian ones just to like haze sure. you. I wish you would. Like... Apparently, I'm not doing it enough. So I wish I absolutely wish that you would. Well, I'm not saying anything, but I'm bringing the English. I'm bringing you are. The English home you are. on this podcast. You are indeed. And there's there's Sorry. an outstanding EPs story that we need to probably clarify. For the listeners as well, one day do they are they one day. in? Are they out? Ongoing? Well, yeah. Robust. So many. Dialogue. Liam has so many rules, <laughs> and sometimes they seem to flex yet, as well. And yet, this one's so simple: no EPs. Hey, how is that? That's great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. I'm, I'm glad. Thank you. Awesome. So, I have nominated an Australian album, mm-hmm. uh, as I mentioned on the social media not 20 minutes ago, an unheralded Australian classic. Depending on who you talk to. Uh, for a lot of people, it's either uh, a classic album that they knew at the time and it appeared on a few sort of top 10 lists for indie sort of albums mm-hmm. and sort of stuff. But for a lot of people, I think they wouldn't know who this was or what the album was. So I'm talking, of course, about Sidewinder and their 1997 album, Tangerine. I like it. So, 
Uh, yeah, Tangerine was released in 1997 on Half a Cow Records. Uh, it was recorded by the group Sidewinder, and in terms of a release date, I can't actually find the exact release date because it wasn't on Discogs. Uh, this this album doesn't have uh, its own Wikipedia entry. Yes. And then in terms of it's going back far enough that the internet is enough of a memory back then that, yeah, a lot of the information, and I was trying to look up information even about the recording process, and there are some interesting stories about it, but not a huge amount because this sort of stuff just wasn't documented the way it is now. And I'm sure a lot of it was covered in like street press and that sort of stuff, but then there isn't the, the archiving of that street press from all the way back then has not really happened in the way that it would in the last, yeah, 15 years or so. There would have been like an IRC chat room dedicated oh, to like this sure. band. Yeah. Back in the day. I'm sure they had a MySpace page as well. Although they were probably broken up even before MySpace kicked in. So I think so. Yeah. So I'm like, can you imagine before MySpace? Yeah. <laughs> what even is that? Uh, so Sidewinder are uh, Martin Craft, who plays, and I'll actually touch on what they've gone on to do since then because they've Please. all had quite varied lives as well. So Martin Craft, who uh, played bass and backing vocals, and I've got a note here, he went on to be Martin Craft. So, you know, obviously didn't review my notes too hard, but uh, he... Um, Released a solo album, Silver and Fire, in 2006. It's actually very Elliot Smith-esque. So if anyone wants to check out some more Elliot Smith stuff, check out Silver and Fire from 2006 because it's it's really good and it's very sort of Elliot Smith stuff. Um, he has toured with Jarvis Cocker's band as a guitar player, so the guy from Pulp when he was doing a lot of his solo stuff while Pulp was down. Um, he's released a couple more albums since then, uh, like a big piano symphonic one. He's basically just hasn't worried about a particular style or genre, just followed his muse wherever he took where it's taken him. Uh, but definitely nothing that he's done since this sounds like Sidewinder at all. He definitely just took that part of himself and put it in the past and hasn't really revisited it at all. That's because it was the 90s. Mm. Yes, he and has. Then, and the 90s stopped. Yes, absolutely. Um, and then his brother, Nick Craft, was the guitarist and lead vocalist. After the band broke up, he formed The Zillions, which was uh, similar to the Sidewinder's earlier stuff, a bit more jagged rock. They released albums in 2005 and 2008. And then he released his first solo album last two years ago in 2018. So it's mostly just him and an acoustic with a, a little bit of noise behind it. And his brother actually helped him produce it. Uh, hmm. And then Pip Branson, who plays bass, he became actually the touring member for my favorite band, Something for Kate, for a few years. So Is it bass or rhythm guitar? I thought, I thought he was. Mine oh no, sorry, Martin played bass. Yes, no, sorry, he played rhythm yeah. guitar. Sorry, um, yeah. So some my favorite band, Something for Kate, has three members, but when they're on stage, they almost always have a fourth. So they usually bring in a touring member for a year or two and then rotate them around. And he was one of the people who did that for a little while and uh, formed a band called the Pip Branson Corporation. And they put out an EP in two thousand three, and haven't really heard much of him since then. And then Shane Melder on drums, who then went on to do uh, a lot of stuff. So the Died Pretty, the Hummingbirds, and also David McCormack from Custard, which is the band that basically got my wife and I together. Um, and after the Custard after Custard broke up, David would basically have a so Rick's Bar here in the city. He was basically up there every second weekend with various either him or there's a solo band called the Titanics, and Shane Melder was almost always there with him doing stuff like that as well. So yeah. So who who did all the synthy sounds, electro stuff? I could not find that anywhere. I think that was Pip. So uh, okay. Pip Branson, yeah. So because he talks uh, in a couple of the interviews that I did find, 
Pip talks about, um, he says, um, samplers are such scary things. Last night we played around with one. We realized we could really go to town, but we've got to be ethical about this. We're a live rock band, and if we can play stuff live and we don't need the samples, we won't use it. I don't want it to see it. I don't want to see it become a fifth member we can't do without. Cool. So, yeah, I think, I think, it, they, I think they all did. It bothered me that they had no Wikipedia on the album so I could see who everyone played this and yeah. the other and blah, blah, yeah. blah. I was mm-hmm. just like, down you, Liam. Yeah. Someone from <laughs> super, 97. Yeah, I'm proving my indie cred by um, going super indie. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, awesome. they formed in 1991 when the two brothers, uh, I think one of them was only 15 years old. They put out EPs in 92 and 93, which you can get off their band camp. And I had only just discovered that you can do that. So I got them this weekend. They're nice and cheap. And then their first album, Atlantis, came out in 1995. And Tangerine was their second album. Uh, so Atlantis was, we'll talk about the difference between the albums, but it was very much a very straight, much more straightforward Oz indie rock sort of album. So uh, whereas Tangerine is a little bit different to that. So and it, it got a quite a bit, it got a fair bit of attention at the time, um, so much so that in the end they supported U two on their pop yes. art tour when they were here in Australia in February of nineteen ninety eight. And so, how did you discover these guys? So, I discovered these guys from the singles being on the radio. So, the first single off the album was Titanic, Titanic Days, Days. Yep. which yep. remains one of my all time favorite songs. Mm. It's just like that killer punishing riff right from the start. Um, and then, yeah, so that was on the radio quite a bit. And then uh, God was the second single. Mm-hmm. And that was also on the radio a fair bit. And it's interesting. So one of the reasons that I've nominated this album and one of the reasons that it grabbed me at the time. So this is 97, sort of maybe heading into 98 as well. And I'm, like I've said before, that's basically when I started discovering all the music that would you know be formative for me. And so... So still at school. No, so this was first year of uni, first and second year of uni. Okay. I didn't listen to any decent music till I left high school. Okay, much to my sh- much to my chagrin. Oh, chagrin. <laughs> so chagrin. Yeah. So yeah, so there's kind of stuff I was listening to. So um, UMI, something for Kate, Jebediah, um, Grinspoon, all these bands that were, I guess you'd probably call it pretty straightforward. Like they were playing, they were playing around a little bit, but it was pretty indie rock. Oz indie rock was finding its voice. So Powderfinger, all those sorts of guys as well. Mm-hmm. And I heard these two singles and I was like, yeah, this is another band that's in that same league. I'm going to buy this album and it's going to be 13 songs that are all going to sound very big, heavy, guitar, riffy driven, power rock song, almost power rock songs. And it's going to be great. And then I bought the album and it is not like that at all. Those, hmm. those two songs really almost stand out in there in how straightforward sure. that they are. So it's, you know, those ones are for little barreling drums, you know, straightforward guitar big power riffs and stuff but the rest of the album jumps around all over the place so it's sort of um there's jazz there's electronica there's almost trip-hop stuff psych rock dance beats all that sort of stuff so yeah i found it was really unusual to all, all the australian bands that i knew were putting out you know great great albums because they were able to put together 13 songs that had a sort of a similar vibe to it mm-hmm. and these guys were just like no we're gonna we're gonna play around a little bit and as i found out later their their straightforward album was the first one and then it wasn't until, the, and then for the second one, they were, and we'll talk about this in, down the line, but they were given a bit more freedom and they were like, yeah, we're going to play around with this stuff and we're going to sort of create our own sounds that we want that sound different and don't really sound like anything else that's out there right now. And, um, and yeah, this was what they came up with. Awesome. Um, and do you know where their names came from? I do not. No. 
I think I think I do okay, because when awesome. I was re- when I was researching them, I saw that they were affiliated at some point, either toured with um, or they had some inspiration from a band called Teenage Fan Club, mm-hmm. um, and they put out an al- put out an album in 1991 with a song on it called Sidewinder right. in reference to a North American rattlesnake, yes. and I was okay. like, I thought that can't be that much of a coincidence surely that this band formed in like 91 actually got big in like 95 whatever Mm -hmm. and they're named after some band that they're affiliated with one of their songs so i was like i wonder if it's actually a teenage fan club song because i know teenage fan club because people like blur that i was listening to at the time really loved teenage fan club so Mm. i was like ah that would be nice so as far as i'm concerned they're named after a teenage fan club song called sideways decided by george that makes sense there we go done Yeah. yeah We'll, we'll have to reach out to I them don't online care and find if, out. I'll ask Martin. D- yeah. Dear Martin, mm. yeah. <laughs> were you named after Teenage Fan Club? That'd be great. Please clarify. Yeah. So, had either of you heard of this band or any of their songs before? George? No. George. I feel like I'm no, going to be pretty safe to say no, but George, let's start with you. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty safe. So um, it's pretty safe to say at that time, the bands that I'd heard of from Australia were Powderfinger and Silverchair, mm-hmm. pretty much. Even in 97, right? Silverchair, yeah. in England. Powderfinger in 97? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because so, I certainly yeah, have yeah. gone, um, you know, let, let's go a little back in excess, of course, in Akadaka. And, Akadaka, um, yeah. But not 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 Powderfinger. Mm. Well, I had a Powderfinger record and I had all the Silverchair records. Silverchair, so, um, yes. They were like the only. But I heard that. I, that, that oh. oh, and Kylie and Jason, obviously. <laughs> oh, yes. um, if you're going to oh, talk Australia, um, but oh, it's good. a general rule. If you're going to put, if you're going to throw um, an obscure indie record from '97 at me that's come from Canberra, I'm going to go. I know Canberra. Huh? not heard it, Liam. But yeah. nice one. Forgive yeah. me, forgive me. So, I had yeah. I, I, if being part of or you know wannabe or otherwise part of the surf scene. Hoodoo Gurus, massive, mm-hmm. were massive. Uh, Hunters and collectors, um, and and those sort of guys. I we had made it across in the early yeah. early mid nineties. Um, but no. but Sidewinder, no. Cool. No, well, these guys didn't. I don't think these guys got a lot of even mainstream in Australia. So I definitely don't think they would have made it overseas at all. Which mm. which Powderfinger album did you have, George? Uh, something with. There was a song about Jesus on it. Um, uh, I can't remember. Double Logic? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, my friend had all of them um, because she lived between Australia and England. So she used to bring music to and from. But um, that was the one that I had. Yeah. Uh, Living Tight is the name of that song. And it's Thank great. You. And it's great. Yeah. Um, all right. So first impressions, guys. What did you think? I guess so the, the album opens with The Other Side of Light, yeah. which has those really soft little tinkling lights, like little dots of light that are sort of falling down. And it feels like it, it could start off like, oh, it's going to be a nice soft, you know, maybe lullaby kind of song. Doesn't it trick you? Those barreling drums just come pounding into that space. It's great. Mm. It is great. Um, and then you've got sort of, you've got dueling guitar melodies sort of, Janking at one another, but they're they're sort of pushed through. And obviously, I don't know a lot about the technical side of thing, but it feels like they're sort of pushed through a bit of a fuzz sort of sound as well. So they're not sort mm-hmm. of as as bold and pure as they could be. Um, and then towards the end of that song, you've got what one of the things that I love, which is there's so many. There's often tempo changes in the song. Mm-hmm. So in this case, it's one that's it's barreling along quite fast, and then it pulls back and it goes quite slow, and it's just a quick little melody that's played through a delay. Oh, 
really cruel and then the bridge through to the slower part and then there's just a bit of a fade out so that sort of opens up the album and I think right from that first I think that even I don't remember the exact time I heard it but it blew me away it's like oh yeah I'm, I'm expecting things like Titanic Days and God and this is not gonna be that <laughs> I like the fact that every um, instrument goes I'm here yeah. listen to me I'm here and they all get a chance to go listen to me break down listen to me do this and then there's some oohs and ahs which we know George loves <laughs> um, and some kind of xylophone sound in there again love a little bit of random xylophone mm. or glockenspiel um, and intermittent wailing love a bit of that so uh, yeah it was a um, the first thing you talked about first impressions yeah. um, I literally looked at nothing about the album or the band because I, I realised I didn't know the band didn't know the album I didn't want to know anything about it when I first listened so mm-hmm. I just pressed play and just went oh this is mid to late 90s indie yeah, psych rock. For sure. Yeah. Like, and I just went, and I, all I could think of was bands like Cooler Shaker and stuff yes. like that. Mm-hmm. And just went. Yes, went, Cooler Shaker, done. for sure. Yeah. So when it, those like barreling drums and the way it all played out, that, that to me was exactly that sound of that era. And I just went, and I nailed, and then I looked and went, yep, 97, done. Yeah. <laughs> so, it was like, so Liam, yep, um, like you, did you attend the concert with you two in 98? With these guys opening, I did not. Oh. Uh, I'm not a big enough fan of you two to go and watch them in a stadium because sure. I hate watching bands in stadiums. And at that stage, I wouldn't have known these guys that well enough. And I wasn't going to a lot of live music at that stage. Like I was mostly just getting into a recording side. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but these guys are on my sad, sad, sad bucket list, which is like because they have broken up and they they have played a couple of times as like one off reunion shows. But I always find out about it too late, yes. and it's. One of the great tragedies of my music, live music life that I will never get to see these guys play live. May, May never get. Yes. It's not, it's May not, never it's get. not finalized. Yeah. It's not absolutely finalized. They are, as far as I know, all four of them are still alive. So They could play, they can might hear the podcast and go, do you know what? For Liam, Let's do it. It's yeah. like a make a wish. <laughs> They're going to make it happen for me? Well, I think, yeah. it, um, I think it would be a very noble thing for them or their friends to arrange for that matter. Mm. Um, and I, 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 I'm sure, George, I could make the time. I'm sure, George, you'd, you'd be more than willing. I'd come. Yeah. So I'd say the problem. Yeah. The problem is going to be. I'd, I'd make my own shirt. The problem is going to be. Chances are, I don't think they'll do it. They would do a tour if they were going to do a no, show. No, it's it really for, be a one-off. A, in, a flawless, a flawless A and P. This is for the pitch. Sydney, yeah. Sure, we can. They fly. could do a li- living room show in my apartment. It would be fine. Living yeah. room show. Everyone, that would be so cool. You know, fit twenty people in here. If they didn't want yeah, to travel, that's we could probably go about down. as many people as would come as well. In I, Brisbane, I, I doubt think, it. So. I doubt it. But um, not after this podcast. So yeah. So yeah, you talk about the opening, mm. and it's yes. like such a great opening song. Mm. Like a really great opening track, right. and it's like as you were talking about, like all the instruments are working hard. Everything's really exciting, and um, those beats are just really fun and interesting to listen to. So um, it's like a really like as far as openers go, yeah, it's a mm. it's a cracker. Yeah. Cracker. Here we go. And then Thank straight you, into what I would consider an even bigger cracker with God. Mr. B told me and others the old man is dead. Don't 
has that like right from the start is just this intense thrashing riff and him not screaming but very very intensely singing his vocals like you can see just him looking at you dead in the face as he's saying this stuff and it just makes it like the intensity of it just makes you want to sort of makes what makes me want to just throw myself around the room like it's a real aggressive dancing kind of song i would pay to see that happen (laughs) maybe not for all the people that i would bump into fair enough um Um, can i just point out at this point this is when i went holy shit you're a good bass player yes um uh because the bass slides and stuff i was like ooh, it's not often that um sometimes in the 90s bass was just kind of like bumbled along matching Mm. the major chords and stuff yeah um but like the bass on this i like kudos to martin because um i it really Mm. stood out as like a a really interesting instrument to listen to as opposed to just something that like carried the tune underneath and this Mm. was the first time and like i'll reference the bass quite a lot in this but um because i played the bass so i know how underrated it can be um but the bass slides that are under the guitar solo in god were really nice like really Mm. really nice to listen to however in the lyrics, they kill Clapton. Why do they yeah. do that for? Why just, why Clapton? And I'm not, is it, is it, are we, I, this is the thing is like, I don't know what this song is about and it's not easy, like. I I thought it was about succession planning in the rock god world. That was my kind of take on okay. it. It was just like, it was like, it's our turn, we're preparing, it's your, yeah. like your turn to leave, kind of, yeah. that kind of mindset. I, I think like that it. Was, that's, that's what okay. I took anyway. Mm. Mm extrapolating so much from Sidewinder right now. So I have a very vivid memory attached to this song as well, is that I used to work at uh, Coles doing night fill, but then on Monday mornings I'd do a dawn fill, so it would be five till eight. And so obviously I would never go to bed early on the Sunday night or anything, so I would always just be dead tired by the end of the shift. And I remember having that CD single in my car, and I don't don't know what the B-side was because I... I have it, but it's not ripped onto my iTunes and I couldn't find it anywhere, but it's definitely got a B-side. But I just put it on in the CD player in my car and it's like a 20-minute, it was like a 15, 20-minute drive home. And I just repeated God like six, ten, six times in a row, just screaming the parts that needed to be screamed and going, yeah, like all the way through. I, yeah. So I just Again, felt I've fallen over that song. I to see that. Yeah. <laughs> Liam, how are you so calm and yes. chill like all the fucking time? And then you're like, oh, yeah, I'd throw myself around well, to this. Yes. I'd shout and scream to this. I'm like, why, <laughs> do, why don't I ever see that, yeah, Liam? Correct. Well, it's, tw- it's 20 years later. And if I even remotely scream, I'm already da- like I'm already damaging my voice just doing this. So if I oh, scream, oh, and if I start throwing myself oh, around, yeah. if I fall down, I'm not going to be able to get back up again. My <laughs> knees are just going, nope, we're done. That's it. Oh my god, we're getting so old. Yeah. Fair enough. Sure. Um, and then so that song pauses in the middle for a bit of a lower intensity bit, sort of th- strips it right back, and there's um, some hand claps, which I thought George you might like. Correct. Um, bit bit fuzzled. They put they put that through the fuzz their fuzz machine as well, but um, they're there. <laughs> and um, it's the film clip for this is really cool as well. They they've done that thing where they've filmed it at a speed slower than it really is, and then and sung along to it at the, and played along to it at the slower speed and then speed it up. And it means that where they're playing, you can see where the mouth moves and where their hands move on the guitar parts are correct, but all the rest of their body movements are really janky because they're, they're in faster speed, mm-hmm. which is like That's a really nice. cool technique. That, so um, like the opposite of uh, Street Spirit by Radiohead, yes. where they did everything all slow. Where everything slowed yeah. down, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, cool. back in the day when I made 
a couple of film clips. Paul and I made a couple of film clips. We use that technique as well. We use the slow it down, speed it up bit, which um, yeah, always looks really cool. Such a full life for such a young oh, man. Oh, isn't it, it just, was. Uh, George? So, to avoid yeah. going song by song through the rest of the mm. album, did anyone have oh, any yeah. highlights that they wanted to hit? Well, I just wanted to say, actually, mm. the next track. Yeah. Um, so, I've Here She Comes Again. Yes. Um, it really just reminded me, it's like, obviously, like, psychedelic indie from the mm. 90s. It can't get away from no. that. But this is where they really go, hey, we listened to the Beatles yeah. Didn't we? Mm-hmm. We, pl- we we listened and we played. It's got that sitar sound, whether they played that on guitar or not, I'm not sure. But it felt like it was this like homage to George Harrison. Homage. Um, like the Look Here Comes the Sun kind of thing. <laughs> mm. Oh I know. My you should you should see the breadth of my vernacular. Oh, um so eloquent. It was like uh, <laughs> Like about this hippie chick and everything else with the yeah. magic eyes, Walking and along it was just like real hippy dippy. Yeah, so yeah. My, some of my favorite lyrics are that. So it's. Which I think is just nice. Poppy nice. tune is it what a, I wrote down here. Like a, <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful yeah. summary. Could have song. been a single, but it was yeah. very, very sweet. Yeah, yeah, it was a very sweet, sweet song. So that's fine. Mm. Um, so, so let me say, Nick Craft had a quote about the album in general, but I think it really, really applies to this song. He says. The problem with Atlantis, our last album, was that it was recorded in winter and released in summer, which is the wrong way around. Atlantis was the leaving Canberra and breaking up with girlfriends album. We left a safe environment and we didn't really know what we're doing. But Tangerine says, it's summer. I'm the happiest and most in love that I've ever been. And I'm stuck in a recording studio with three guys. Wow. So yeah, so he's like, had that ability to write the nice love song, even though, yeah, he was in a studio for a very long time, which we'll talk about in a minute. Oh, will we now? Oh. Yeah. Well, just on the Harrison field, there was the sunshine in a pocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was just another one that made me feel like dreamy, folksy guitar with harmonies on the vocals. And it felt like they were underwater with some of it. And it was yeah. like this kind of like they reference sunshine a lot. And I didn't know if it was some kind of drug reference or if it was just literally sunshine or just like a metaphor. I'm not yeah. sure. But um, in like... Um, titanic days uh there's lyrics of sunshine in my pocket and then this next song it's called sunshine in a pocket mm-hmm. so i was like you really like sunshines and pockets which i do too um which is great but um it has this really beautiful like ooze and ahs kind of rushing water sound and the guitar is kind of blissful and lovely mm. and it's a really nice dreamy kind of song so that one got a little heart on yeah. it mm. so, so that's why i mentioned it on that one you can hear them like i love it sometimes when you can hear them sliding up and down the guitar like they don't just take their finger off it and put it in a different point but you can sort of hear and it's all just that like that texture and that crinkly sort of texture as they move their hand up and down the guitar which i really like in that hmm. yeah it makes it gives you a bit different kind of like feel and layer and uh sound when mm. depending on how you interact with the instrument so they they've done a good job they are obviously very accomplished yeah um, musicians all of them i noticed that mm. yeah definitely how about you granted do you have a favorite song your absolute favorite apart from the 
uh, singles, God, Titanic Days. Uh, obviously, the opener was was a was a cracker. Uh, Intensity Five actually grew on me. Cool. And, so and that, that's sorry, yeah, that's yeah. called Intensity Five in the album, but it's actually just Intensify. Yeah. It's just the word. It's just the word Intensify. And Spotify then I was like, got it wrong. Far up. This and, is cool. <laughs> yeah. Because that's what actually what he says. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Um, well, that makes so much sense. Yeah. Um, I've, I've written down. Here she comes again, as we, we've just spoken of, as could have been a single, I thought, way back home. Easily could have been a single as well. Um, and those are the ones, I suppose, that really spoke to me for, for mine. So can I talk about Hippopoto M? Yeah, yeah, because it's yeah, great. Cause, I love it. Because <laughs> it is great. It's like exactly the kind of song that you want to listen to. Like, I was surprised that that kind of wasn't a single because mm. that would be the kind of thing that would be played in a club in the 90s and people yeah, would be, be like sure. bopping around. With too. Nelly the Elephant, like, I mean, same totally, thing, isn't it? Yeah, and it's got like those double-time drum bits and it's super fun and then it's got that really again so this one's got lovely baseline climbs and falls um like really moving around the fretboard um and it was mirroring the lead guitar so it wasn't just like playing something else it was it was keeping up with the lead guitar um on the bass which i thought was awesome so it makes sense that they're brothers they probably have played together forever mm, and they know yeah. how to play and mm-hmm. um, so it was just really lovely and um, but i wrote down zero lyrics because i was so interested in the baseline <laughs> so i was just like i've no idea what it's about i don't even care i just wanted to dance to it um and that was that was just like a really cute like fun total total 90s like dream song yeah so well, the hippopoto m is in the song is a dance club so it's yeah, like it's very makes, it's very like a so psych rock now. having a dancing. So there's lyrics about like leave your hang-ups waiting at the door, step inside, find the floor at the Hippopoto M. But funneling it through some of like the darker edges of the music, it also feels like it's like it's a dance club, but also one where CD stuff happens. So then later in the lyric, there's a, there's a lyric about. So it's yeah, they're just and the drum the drums in that song do so much as well, like just that momentum and that speed all the way through. Mm. And then at the end yeah. when they're repeating the chorus, it's buried a little bit, but there's just a little extra click click as he's sort of tapping the side things as well. It's really cool. Yeah, I really like. There's a few songs where um, our our mate Shane is um using his sticks to tap the edge of the toms mm. uh, to make that like real click 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 sound and yeah. so as a different kind of percussive sound which i thought was really interesting so um yeah there's there's a lot of different um percussive sounds that are used at one point i can't remember which song it sounds there's like a oh in it's about us that's acoustic percussion so mm. That's all, that's not like a drum kit. That's all like hand drums bongos. throughout. Yeah. yeah. It was, well, it, it sounded like a bongos or djembes or yeah. something. It was mm-hmm. just like a mixture of like just, yeah, acoustic percussion, which was like odd and awesome with a synthesizer type yeah. of sound and samples and everything else. And um, it's got but, the sitar as well and also the slide guitar in there as well. So it just, yeah, throws a lot of elements in there. 
It does, and it's like, but it's got the folksy kind of guitar to kind of pull it together, um, and then it's got all of the other stuff. Uh, but this has got two lots of lyrics that I really like. Um, so the actual main, I think, chorus is, it's about you, it's about me, it's about us, it's about time we step outside, it's about us. And I thought that was really cute, but um, later it... It's fun to talk in between lines Leave cryptic codes to find your meaning there Anywhere And I thought they were really nice lyrics on like the record about like leaving cryptic codes, finding meaning and stuff. It just was like a really nice thing about like connecting with somebody else in this yeah. secretive way. That's really romantic. It's kind of a fun sort of love, not fun like heart, like, but you know, just more relaxed sort of almost love song. But then he slides in one of my favorite lyrics from the album, which is Am I the only living boy around here who buckles to the kind of fear that some things just don't feel right? Which I think is just yeah, like, ha- just throws that nice. in there out of nowhere. It's like, you know, it's love and it's about us and it's, you know, we're getting together and we're doing stuff and also, hey, the universe is broken. No, but, you know, it's okay. We'll just keep going on and, yeah, I really love that line. And it, yeah, it, do, a, it does a weird... they got a little heart as well. It does a weird thing with rhyming where, because he says, am I the only living boy around here who buckles from the kind of fear that some things just don't feel right? So the rhyme happens on one syllable before the end of the line. There's a word for that. There um, is. A term for that, and I can't remember it, but no. I did study poetry, so I should know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I know what you mean, and it is a really, um, it's, they they use it a lot in sonnets and stuff to capture you, to follow you into the next line, and that's what it does, doesn't yeah. it? It kind of like, it captures you, and then you are drawn into the next line, and then drawn into the next line. It's Yeah, they did a really good job. Mm. So uh, let's quickly talk about Titanic Days. Yes. Which yep. I, th- I think really stands out as like a powerhouse song right there in the middle of the album. Uh, it's coming out of the end of Mummy Daddy, which is sort of quite a, a bit of a softer trip hop sort of one. And just that power riff just kicks you right from the start there. <laughs> got a really cool video so this was used in the soundtrack to an australian movie called black rock mm-hmm. uh, which was about no, no i missed that one um it's it was like in that period where it's like there was a lot of australian movies in that area where were being made so it's about essentially so it's about a small town and um, masculinity and mateship and how those sort of things can really screw up a person and you know that there are more important things than that, but sometimes it takes like tragedies and stuff to realize it. So, and it's like, it's about surfing and um, partying and that sort of stuff. So the band are actually in the movie. So at one stage, the characters all go to a house party and the band play themselves in, or the band play the, the band at the house party, which is really cool. Yes. Um, it's like I singles. Think they're play- yeah. 
I think they're playing God. I don't think they're playing Titanic Days. I'd have to try and track the movie down and watch it again, but I don't think they're playing Titanic Days itself, but they're playing something that's, yeah, so there's a whole lot of people thrashing around and punching on and doing, you know, all very blokey, blokey, mateship, Aussie, machismo, testosterone bullshit, which is kind of what the song's about as well. So it's about all well, about... Well, when I was listening to the album and I hadn't listened to any, like... As I said, the first time I listened, I li- knew nothing about them. I heard that song and went, I bet that was a single. And yeah. I was like, yep, there, <laughs> there it was. was. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I should have looked it up. I'm pretty sure it was in the Hottest 100 for the year. In fact, it definitely was because it was on the Hottest 100 CD. I just don't know what number it was. But it was, yeah, it, it was big and it was because it's got that big power. But then I love in the film clip for it. So it's some of the footage from the movie and some stuff of the band playing and that sort of thing. But they've got footage of them playing the riff at the start of the thing and you can see them it's basically just pulling a note and then just um, holding on the string and moving it up and down is that i'm pretty sure that's the right terminology george like where you just hold it down and then like you move it up and down the the fret oh like the string stretch yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah. so so it's this awesome big power riff and to achieve it all they did was just pull a note and just waggle it up and down a little bit and then pull that same note and waggle it up and down a little bit. So it's really cool. I think there's a proper term, but I always call it a stretch. Yeah. (laughs) Because I I find it quite difficult because I'm quite weak when I'm playing guitar. So I'm just like, I don't really do that. I just play play normal lead. But yeah, no, that's, it's got good sounds when, um, like that. Yeah. I'm glad that those sorts of things stick out in your mind when you're looking at videos and stuff or when Mm. you're watching, like it's really nice. And it's also got one of my favorite phrases, which they repeat right through the song, which is you live in sin to win. So I really, I really love just like a short punchy phrase. Like it doesn't have to be a big story of a whole thing. Like it's just like, this is the kind of people that they hate are the kind of people who would just do whatever it takes and doesn't, wouldn't care what they did to other people to, to win or to be the best guy. Um, I was just going to say that there was some, some, the lyrics I kind of referenced earlier. I've got nothing to say. Now I listened to that and went, yeah. If I was listening to that back in the day, I'd be like, man, I wish I had a Rickenbacker. Man, I wish I had a Marshall Stack. Yeah. Like, man, yeah, these guys are living the dream. No wonder they're having the best time. time. Like, yeah. oh, this is the epitome of everything I've ever wanted. They've got a Rickenbacker. And, but what's really great is a Rickenbacker's a bass. So he's like, he's a singer and he's playing the bass. And he's like, most people are just like, no, I've got my Gibson or I've got my Gretsch or whatever. And he's like, nah, I've got a Rickenbacker. I'm like, yes, you beautiful bassist. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I really love the lyrics. I love the fact that they reference that. So it was yeah. really cool. I, it would have been awesome if the whole album was just like 13 songs of that sort of power stuff. But then for it to not be that, for it to be something else was really cool as well. And then at the end of the song, it fades out. So a couple of like, we talked earlier about some of the songs that sort of fade out and just do their thing as a, as a lower tempo bit at the end. And this one fades out and you think, oh yeah, it might be over now. But then the riff just punches straight back in again, which is really cool. like it could be oh yeah you know we're playing with what we do on the rest of the album except this was the first single so nobody would have known what they were doing 
you know, sure. people listening to it wouldn't have known that if they were playing with what they do on the rest of the album. So maybe it's just a cool thing that happens. Well, it had just enough psychedelic sounds to be accessible, <laughs> mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I think that's a good... And not so much to, to freak you off. Yeah. But, you know, you know, just like, not scare you. We're psychedelic and we're still a power indie, like, rock band. Um, but, you know, you can still come along. Come here. Dance mm. to us. This is awesome. And then get the album and go, what, what, what? Whoa, whoa. What are you yeah. doing? <laughs> like, what you're using a muff on the bass and you're using a muff on the guitar at the same time. Okay, that's fine. Um, and that's what you get in some of the other tracks. So, yeah, as you were talking about, um, having the differences makes it more an interesting album than just straight power, power psych, indie, electro, fun, pop stuff that they were mm. doing. I went to the um, – I actually went to the – uh, pop tour in '98 in in Joburg, so okay. So when I'm when I read in, in my research that this is, this uh, that these guys opened for them, I was like, geez, this album makes so much more sense as well because a lot of it, if you've listened to to pop by you two and that and attended that tour, you're like, wow, this really you know resonates and it is you know as you mentioned before. George, it's it's massively like you can unfortunately or, or, or rightly or wrongly pigeonhole them to this very specific period of you know mid to late nineties. This is what these you know, indie pop or or this is what got what got a bit of commercial um, steam in that in that era. Mm. Mm-hmm, definitely. I had a shit ton of CDs that sounded like this. It was. Awesome. <laughs> it was. It <laughs> like, was. Yeah, I used to get the. You remember back in the day when you got magazines with CD samples oh, yeah, on the front, for where sure. you had like, you know, twelve songs, different yeah. stuff, and you're like, could be the same band, who knows? Who knows? But um, they're all different bands, but you just they all had yeah. that sound, and it's just. And that was when I was like really getting my head around to finding my own in the mm-hmm. music world, not just listening to my brother's music or my parents' music and stuff. I was like really getting into the music of my own in the in like the mid to late nineties, and so that's why I just kind of. Yeah, again, picked it and just went, yep, I know exactly who you yeah, are. It was interesting. I would have definitely have seen them at a festival, like, at the time. Like, if they were in England and I'd have heard Titanic Days or whatever, I'd be like, oh, yeah. I would put them on my little lanyard and I'd mark them off as going, I have to go to that stage at that time to go and watch Sidewinder <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. So mm. could they be in that realm of music that I'm listening mm. to? Yeah. And they would have been all over the Australian festival circuit. So I'm sure, like, Livid, Homebake, which was the All-Australian Festival at the time, Big Day Out, all those sorts of things, they would have been, yeah, everywhere for those sort of that two-year period, 96, 97, 98. Yeah, it was, it was an era. I, that was, I was going to a lot of festivals around that time. I was so young, but I was going <laughs> to a lot of festivals around that time. And, yeah, yeah, I would have really enjoyed seeing them live. I imagine they were a good live mm. band as well, just yeah, to upset you, Liam. Yeah. Sorry, Liam. <laughs> but uh, I imagine... They are so good at playing their instruments. Um, I cannot imagine them being bad to watch. Yeah, like I've referenced a couple of times sort of the story behind what happened with this album was basically they had their first album, they were on, they were on Half a Cow, they went into the studio and they couldn't quite nail exactly all the stuff they were trying to nail. So I haven't, I haven't been able to find a lot of stories from back then, but... Basically, um, they just kept saying, oh, yeah, we just need a couple more weeks in the studio. We just need a couple more weeks in the studio. And I think these days um, it would never happen. But back then, the, the studio was just like, yeah, okay, we'll, 
we're, we're happy with where you're headed. We think you're going to give us a really good album. So, you know, we'll just give you a couple more weeks, give you a couple more weeks. Um, in the end, they um, delivered a few hundred hours worth of tapes for the to the mixer and the master. So that, um, which is, you know, pretty unusual. That's they're a just, bit, that's it's a a bit much, bit. to be honest. Yeah. The album sold okay, but it is still considered a major flop because it cost $250,000 to create. So Bloody hell, you they, could buy a house. They don't, yeah, they don't, ha- they don't have an exact number, but when they do talk numbers, they talk, yeah, three figures, quarter of a million to, to put it together. So it came out, didn't sell great, uh, ended up having pretty good, like a decent reputation on like a lot of indie publications, yeah. but that doesn't really help if it's not selling. And they lost their record deal because of it. Because mm-hmm. they got onto, because they ended up on Mercury, didn't they? Like to, as their big as their big label, so they're on the cow one, the uh, half but a cow. then half cow. But Mercury the, were the ones that actually did the big release or gave. Them That's what I'm assuming, money. yeah, because I assume half a cow yeah. wouldn't have a quarter of a million dollars. So, judging yeah. by their website, I'm guessing not. No, so yeah, so, there would have been a major label behind it going, "Yep, we we believe we have faith in you guys. You're going to produce something that we can take mainstream and get big big level success out of." And everybody would have been looking for the next um, silver chair. Would have been the short version because around like Powderfinger was still okay, but they weren't huge at the time. But silver chair were taking off in the overseas market. And I think there, there would have been a lot of pressure on to go. Yep, yeah, we we can find the next silver chair. And these guys all like you said, George, they all knew how to play. Uh, which depending mm-hmm. on who you talk to about early silver chair stuff, might have put them. You know, some people would have agree or disagree that silver chair knew how to play. But um, yeah, they they yeah, thought they silver chair had. The problem is Silverchair had Daniel Johns. Yes. Yeah. Not, not ab- Absolutely not a knock on Silverchair at all, but yeah, they, yeah, everybody they, was looking they, for the next one. A whole bunch of the, my girlfriends in high school listened to Silverchair just because he was pretty, not right. because sure. they liked the music. So I'm just saying that mm-hmm. was a thing. Thinking the Kraft Brothers weren't unpretty. If we look at the film clips there, they're okay. Boyish, boyish good looks. I think they would have been still really young, so... But yeah, mm-hmm. definitely not on Daniel John's level. So yeah, they all um, decided they were going to do another album. So they just decided they weren't going to have a, another record label. They were just going to do it themselves. So they put this, put all this stuff together, bought some equipment, set up a studio in an abandoned restaurant. Uh, but then they only got a few songs in and they just got really disheartened. So they, they were feeling so... Uh, Nick Craft said, We felt that we'd put a lot of effort into Tangerine. We felt like we'd failed. It all got very dark. And at the height of it, oh, so sorry, this is Martin. Because at the height of it, my brother Nick and myself, who had been best friends since we were kids, we started to hate each other. Oh, terrible. So they broke up the band and went their separate ways. That's so sad. So yeah, so it was the end of a... I hope they still have like, you know, Christmas and birthdays and weddings and stuff. I hope so. they still hang out. So Nick went to Melbourne and Martin just packed all his stuff together and just went to London and just lived in London for quite a period wow. of time, all the way through to 2006, I think, when his album came out. He, they, I think when I was looking around, there were more interviews with like UK press than there were Australian press when his solo album came out. Hmm. So, yeah. I guess that kind of, if you described him as Elliot Smithy, then it would have been a very UK market as well. Yeah. I think yeah. That's, that makes sense. Hmm. So yeah, a bit of a sad ending for Sidewinder, but they left us with a really great album. Mm. So I guess the last couple of songs to touch on at the end there. So we've got What I See, What I Saw, which is sort of a bit of a poppier rock song stuff. Another Hey Hey Sunshine, you make you know that you're making my day. It's another sort of outdoor sunshine style song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they wrap it up with One More Day, which starts off really soft and uh, quiet and has the awesome lyric. I'm just trying to kill some time But I think that 
And yes, not, maybe not a. I've been a naughty boy again. Yeah. <laughs> so. And also, it's but it goes on to that beautiful. Hold on, please hold on. All I need is one more day. Yeah, mm. wrote that one too. just like going on and on and on repeated like this beautiful plea for this whole ending like i just need one more like whether that's to bring the album into the studio yeah. apparently or, it probably possibly um, could have been yeah. yeah yeah just like i just need one more day but this was like um more of the shoegaze kind of sound mm. um when we're talking genres and um, that drudgy kind of um shoegaze kind of but until the lift mm. and it was just a really pretty lift and drop and lift again yeah so, like so a you, really nice refrain yeah so you've got a big drum roll into the big finish it manages to be quite like, sort of big and epic without stretching it out for a huge period of time and it's um yeah this is a delicate strumming and you can feel the pluck hitting the strings again as well which i really love so i really love i think it pairs really well with that first out with that first song which is like completely different tempos, but just that, yeah, they work really well mm -hmm. together. And then they kind of think it does it too, because you've got the has little... Do, it has do-do-do's in it. Yeah. <laughs> and you know I like a do-do-do. <laughs> yeah. Even if it's not, a, this isn't a very happy do-do-do. Like, it's not sort of a psych rock dance one. It's more of a sad one. It's a plea. Yeah, the whole yeah. Thing it is a plea, a plea. For sure. It's a desperate plea. That's the whole song, like I just wrote. It's like, it's just a whole plea, plea to the universe, a plea to someone. It was just that really forceful plea and, and the softer plea, but it was just those little do-do-do's. Oh, they just hit me in the feels. Yeah. In the feels, right there. And then the beauty of it is, because this was an album released in CD time, so if you had it on repeat, you could go straight back to the start of the first song. So the last song fades out on the little sort of electronic loops and the lights and stuff that opened up the album. So if you if you left it on repeat, you would just they would fade out and then you would just fade them straight back in again and bring it on the other side of light. Ah, mm. but if you had it on cassette and you did it on repeat, it would go clunk, yeah. clunk, turn, and then so, it'll start playing again. Yeah, so <laughs> ninety seven would have been peak CD time. So I'm happy to go with, yeah, C, with a CD Let's go with layout CD, sure. rather than like a tape or a, or a vinyl layout or anything like that. Well, I don't know. I was pretty poor, so I kind of have both. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And there's, um, but I, there was just like a really cute, um, on Way Back Home, the plucky guitar sound on that one was really lovely. Mm. And that whole song talking about like just sounding like just being in a van on a long trip somewhere um, with all the sampled loops and noises and there's ooze again and multi-layered vocals and stuff. It's just a, that one was just a really pretty song. Like mm. that came out with the plucky guitar. And that's got that's a really cool line in it. So they, they swear in. They do swear. And they swear a bit. That was the thing I was going to say about Titanic Days is like there's that, there's that line in there, another sucker, motherfucker. 
And I think, you know, back then I would have been like, ooh, I would have been a little titillated about the, <laughs> the coarse language on, on air in a song. So they, they use that sparingly throughout the album, which yeah. I think gives it a little bit of a punch as well, which is good. <gasps> Fun story, because they are so underrepresented on the internet and I was trying to find lyrics and I literally couldn't find lyrics for some of these songs. So I had to listen like in the olden days yeah. <laughs> and pause and pay attention to write down lyrics um, but I went onto one website that um, starred out the expletives so right. obviously oh. motherfucker was it starred out <laughs> but for Titanic days it was T star star Anik because otherwise it would have spelt tit so for the whole of the lyrics and including the no. title, it was didn't actually write the word Titanic anywhere. It was right. starred out because for tit, which um, <laughs> I just it was just a side side, you know, tangent. But uh, a hella amused me because it was like of all the things to star out the word tit in Titanic for this song, which has mm. motherfucker in it. Um, and it, and motherfucker's rhymed with sucker, isn't it, as well? So it's not like yeah. you, you don't know that it's nah. what the word is. Um, yeah, I was just like, I maybe it was um, not safe for work website or something. So, mm. uh, yeah. So it's Sidewinder um, with their famous song, Anic Days. Yeah. It, no, it star, was... Star. T, it was Tannic days. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was Tannic days. So we can we can tell Sidewinder from now on it's Tannic days. Titanic is Titanic's gone. Yeah. So <laughs> did this come out at the same time as the actual movie Pretty Titanic? Pretty Yeah, not uh, far off. Yeah, maybe was the film ninety six. I seem to remember that still being out when I was in high school, which would have been ninety six. Oh, so, okay. but yeah, but close. Cool. Fair enough. Cool. So, before we wrap up, anything else you want to touch on for the album? Just looking at my notes, yeah. I know, right? So, I really, like, um, appreciated the fact this wasn't a straight rock album or Mm -hmm. a straight indie Mm -hmm. album. So, there is um, complexity to it, for sure. So, it reminded me a lot of bands like Chemical Brothers sometimes, The Beatles, Sonic Youth, Teenage Fan Club, Pavement, Beck. Bjork, um, they all kind of came out. It was all of that era um, that I was listening, and then some of these were bands that they've played with as well. And mm-hmm. stuff. Shaker. so much in there, yeah. And obviously the Cooler Shaker, some of those drum rolls and stuff, was, yeah, were very Cooler Shaker. Um, the... Which and that K album only came out a year before this one, so yeah. it kind of made sense. Um, but every I like each um, like instrumentalist on this. Uh, in this band really know their shit um that's my my takeaway from this is they really know what they're doing and if you are if you're a band that really wants to have some prominent bass lines i'd probably recommend this album to go this is what you could do with it Mm. like like, instead of you don't just have to be in the background guys take your bass bring it to the front yeah um and you you can thrash out some incredible riffs and some beautiful slides and all sorts of fun stuff because um and that's you know kudos to martin for that one Mm. that's that's my takeaway cool yeah grant anything else you want to touch on before i do my final pitch no i think we're good eh? i think you've just just about done it from my notes cool all right so final pitch time like i said at the start this is an album that i think defies expectations so especially at that time when so many bands were not making straightforward albums but were much more sort of straightforward and and you could really pigeonhole them into a genre and uh, i think this takes the best parts of that sort of that odds mid-90s indie rock and mashes them together with so many different genres so electronica trip-hop psych rock 
dancey beats, soft lullabies, and it all just works together for me. So it's four musicians using all their skills and also, I guess, their vision for what an album of this type at this time can be, which is probably not what anyone else would have thought of. Um, so it's it's bold and it's determined, and uh, it, sadly, they were taken from us too soon, but if this is the <laughs> one that we get, this is their opus, then I'm happy with that, and uh, I think we should always be grateful that we at least got this because it's a stunning technical and musical achievement, and it is flawless. Boom. Liam for president. Hey, so your pictures have gotten I had to, I had amazing. Write, in case anyone didn't notice, I wrote a lot of that down. Well done. Yeah, right. For sure. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like getting to my final pitch and going, no, it's, it's pretty good. So <laughs> Great. Okay, so that's my final pitch. Amazing. Hopefully it's been convincing. Mm. Uh, Grant, let's start with you. Final thoughts and a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Final thoughts. This is an amazing album, Brett. Um, I, I, I was, I am richer to start with, I suppose. I'm richer for, for having heard of, I'd never heard of them before. So no clue, no nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, surf, Huda Gurus, um, um, Silver Chair, etc. Ha- had made it across, across to my side. And there was a familiarity around the, the tracks that was like comforting and, um, and, um, reassuring, I suppose, like, wow, flip it, look, listen to this. This is, it brings me, it, it, it took me back immediately, um, from, from the other side of, of, of light. Um, and so it goes through the guard, etc., etc. So, wow. Um, it, and, and, and it kept you, I suppose, what I enjoyed about it was that it wasn't, as you, as you, as you referenced, it, it, this is not straight 180, it's the same, uh, same songs. Um, through one to thirteen, that this varies and it goes on a, on a musical journey. And these guys are good; these are musicians. They are very flippin' good. Um, one, so so tracks one through to um, eleven. I'm going. Hey, this is I can't I can't fault this. Um, you've got um, you know you've got your two singles up front there. You've got uh, here she comes again, which I'm going. Hey, Poppy could have been a single itself. Um, uh, what was the other one in there? Way back home, also could have been a single in and of itself. And then I got to, mm, um, Mad Woman. Sorry, one to nine, one to eight. I got to Mad Woman of the Universe, and I thought, yes, this is this is a challenge. And I re-listened to the whole thing end to end. Um, after Mad Woman of the Universe, you've got Hippopotta M and I was like this is great again and I actually the the closing I loved or grew on me forgive me I didn't really love it in the in the beginning to be quite frank one more day but it it yearns it's it's you know oh I want it um and and again back to the CD where it just would 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 flip back onto the opening track um I'm gonna say no. I'm going to say no mm-hmm. because I just didn't see Mad Woman of the Universe giving me completeness, through. So it's sure. a begrudging one, but if I could good. only get it for that, that was it, bro. Otherwise, yes, it was a good album, bro. And, yep. and, um, no, one song, one song is one song. It's going to sure. be flawless or not, so it's all good. So forgive me, not this time. No, no. But good. Very good album. Very, very good album. Thank you. And George, over to you. Ta-da! So this was a time capsule, wasn't it? <laughs> Thank you for that. So yeah, so I was thrown back into my baggy jeans of the late 90s with my little crop tops and all sorts and like loads of beaded 
necklaces and bracelets and with my long blonde hair dip dyed in pink uh so i was just like i was i was thrown back i was exactly there um it was 97 i knew exactly where we were uh, so um as grant was saying like uh, there was so many like so much depth to this album there's so much going on um i'll i'm gonna rip the band-aid off and say I can't say it's flawless. Sure. Uh, and one of the reasons was actually exactly what Grant just said. I was on board completely until track nine with Mad Woman of the mm-hmm. Universe, which wasn't a bad song in itself because it's like industrial metal. It sounded like mm. Nine Inch Nails or something. It's sort of like on a board with. trip hop sort of stuff. Mm. Yep. So, yep, that kind of thing. Heron chic vocals, uh, really confrontational guitar stuff, stuff I really enjoy. It sounded like uh, one of the heavier Bjork songs where she would like vocalize over the top in some wailing kind of way. And I was like, yes, yeah, so I love that song, but it just didn't belong on this album. Mm-hmm. Like it just it felt like it it split me between Sunshine in My Pocket to Hippopotam. It just took me away for a mm. minute and I didn't enjoy it. Um, but then, and then I moved on, and again, I, I know we've joked about how thirty-four minute albums are probably our ideals, and this was what forty-four. Um, but what I see, what I saw, was a pretty song. But then it was just, it felt like it was repeating itself just okay. too much. And there were, like, considering the depth that's and the layers and the crashes and the and the pairing backs and everything that's happened in so many of the other songs which i adored on the rest of the album that one felt like it was just going oh we should probably make it 13 and we'll put this one on um and it just didn't have that fullness that some of the other they they'd built me up so mm. much with how awesome the rest the of the opening, album was certainly the so opening by, eight, yeah. yeah so by the time i got to that and then and they brought me back again with hip potter m um and it's about us so i've got hearts against those and hearts against um one more day so um, i've got so many hearts on this album <laughs> so hearts for listeners purposes are when i go i particularly like this one <laughs> um it's i've got so many little red hearts next to it but i struggled with um i just want mad woman of the universe needed to be a b-side to something um to one of the singles that we've pointed out they should have released um and then what i see what i saw should have been a b-side as well i feel like yeah but it was a lovely album never would have heard of them like Mm. wouldn't wouldn't have tripped over them anyway i i you know like so um it's awesome for you sharing this with me um sharing it with us like uh something so cool because i've got so i've got so many notes and so many lyrics and so much stuff and content that i really bloody loved it was just those two things at the end of the album that every time by the time i got to like my fifth listen i actually skipped it and went oh and yeah. then I was like, I can't, I can't no, do it. And then I felt bad. That's the market. No, that's that's the line that we draw. No, I was actually, I didn't, I didn't really think you guys would find this one flawless. Like, I definitely want to talk about it because I love talking about it. And you know how sometimes if we think we bring out towards, they're like, yeah, I'm pretty sure we're gonna love, the, we're all gonna love this one. I, you probably, you probably even like it more than I thought you would, which is great because yeah, <laughs> I love talking about it and I love. Hopefully, it just does bring a little bit more attention to them, and you know, we'll uh, we might even reach out to them online and see if we can get them to share it and let us know what they thought. Sure. So, um, but yeah, thank you very much for checking it out. Uh, so yeah, Sidewinders Tangerine couldn't get it across the line, but uh, we'll get them next time. We want to thank everybody for listening. 
we have social media. We have Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and we are Flawless AMP on all of those. So check us out. Leave us a rating. You can now see a photo of where we record, which is all our recording separately, which is great. I posted that about 20 minutes ago, so check it out. We are socially mm. distanced. We are socially distanced in this era. Hopefully, for not, not for much longer, everyone seems to be undoing We're choosing distancing. different suburbs, not even one and a half metres. We are choosing to be in different <laughs> suburbs yeah. of the same city we could just not, to make this podcast. We could not catch it from each other if we tried. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Check us out on all the social media. Leave us a rating and a review. Everything you do, every little bit helps us to find more music lovers like you. Other than that, thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time. 